Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I am your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you, as always, so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the third week in July, which means, you guys ready for it? I actually think we might need a drum roll. Hold on, here we go. Drum roll. It is National Zookeeper Week. Happy National Zookeeper Week to all of my zoo professionals out there, animal care specialists, everyone, all of you who uh, dedicate your life to taking care of animals and educating people about them. Thank you so much for what you do. I have a fantastic guest for all of you today, actually just for National Zookeeper Week. And uh, I'm (laughs) not going to lie, I actually didn't even realize it was National Zookeeper Week until after this interview. It's so crazy how things work out. Anyway, but uh, uh, I'm interviewing Erin Moat, and she has been in the zoological field for over 12 years. She is the current zoo supervisor at the Turtleback Zoo in West Orange, New Jersey. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Turtleback Zoo, stop everything, Google them, go follow them. They're an excellent zoo located less than an hour outside of New York City. Fantastic place. I've, uh, you know, worked with them for uh, numerous television appearances, the Today Show, Megan Kelly Today. They're a great team of people and uh, have excellent exhibits. Anyway, definitely go check them out. But I'm interviewing Erin from the Turtleback Zoo, but she has worked in this field for so long. She also has worked at the Bronx Zoo, at Six Flags Great Adventure, the Erie Zoo, the list goes on. And so for all of you listening who want to pursue a career in the zoo field, this is the episode to listen to. For those of you who are just curious of what it would be like to work with tigers or jaguars or just, I mean, just anything, big cats, this is the one to listen to. I hope you enjoy my interview with Aaron from the Turtleback Zoo. All right, we are now live. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. You know, the last time I saw you, what were we eating? Were they like tater tots? Oh yes, tater tots from VI. Rona in. <laughs> plug, plug the Rona in. Oh my goodness. Like probably the worst thing to eat before you go on national TV the next day, right? Yes, definitely. Super filling. So good. <laughs> Vermont tots. If you're ever so near, good. If you're ever near Rona, New Jersey, eat some Vermont tots. So good. So good. Well, thank you for taking the time because I've wanted to have you on the show for so long. And because uh, you just, your career in the zoological field is intense. Like, and this is like from me just Facebook stalking you. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. yeah let's hear it. Okay. So you are currently the zoo supervisor, of course, at the Turtleback Zoo. That is correct. Okay. You were a former wild animal keeper at the Bronx Zoo. Correct. Okay. A keeper at the Erie Zoo. Yes. <laughs> a safari warden at Six Flags Great Adventure. Yes, and a warden is a, a keeper. I'm not oh, okay. like, yes, <laughs> I didn't keeper. understand what the warden was. Like, were you part of the security team or what? No, no that, that's just what they called us. I don't know. There's a keeper, animal okay. keeper. Okay, and you also studied animal behavior at East Stroudsburg University in Pennsylvania. That is correct. Have I forgotten anything? Mm. No, I think that's it. I don't know. I could forget anything. It's been a while. It's been like 11 something years since all that stuff happened. So, 
Oh my goodness. You live, I mean, just such an interesting career. And you know, by the way, a lot of you know listeners listening to podcasts, they want to pursue a career working with animals. That's why I thought you would be the perfect person to have on the show. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yes. I got, I got kind of lucky, I feel like though. It's it's very hard, very competitive. And I kind of just lucked out because I was able to, while I was in school, intern at Six Flags and they hired me like pretty much right out of that. So that's kind of unusual. Um, I feel like a lot of people are doing internships until like they're, you know, mid to late 20s even um, before they get a full-time job. So I definitely got very lucky. Now, lucky meaning the sense like, did you know somebody or was it just like luck? It just luck. Um, I, on a whim, um, I was in college and I knew I wanted to work with animals. So I kind of put myself out there and reached out to Six Flags. It was only 45 minutes from where I grew up. And I, I grew up going to Six Flags. I grew up going to the Safari Park. Um, and I just kind of reached out to them and said, Hey, I, you know, I'd like to work for there. You know, do you do any internships? Um, all the intern spots were filled when they pulled me in and I started, I think on my first day and they're like, Hey, one of the interns dropped out so we can put you in that internship spot. And then they just kind of kept me on from there. And after two years of being seasonal, got a full-time spot and the rest is history. So. Wow. Okay. So, so you're, so you're at the university, you get this in the, in the summertime, correct? Yes. Yep. Summer. And then for most of us, I mean, by the way, so I live in Idaho. So of course we don't have six flags. You think theme park and stuff, but they actually have like a, like an animal park, correct? Yep. It's like 250 acres, I think with like 2,500 animals. Um, I mean, it's, it's huge, like vast amount of land. Um, and up until kind of recently, actually, um, they they turned it into a ride. So it used to be where you drive you drove through in your own car. Um, now it's a ride that you get on this like open air truck, and they and you drive through the safari park. So you're driving and you have you know giraffe coming over to the truck. You have elephants and bears and lions, tigers. Oh my! I mean everything. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey. Everything. So really quick, let's just fast forward. So where do you so where do you grow up? New Jersey. I grew up right outside of Northeast Philadelphia, actually, in Bucks County, a town called Trevos. People probably don't even know what it is. Um, I mean, Philadelphia is, I could drive five minutes and be in, you know, the outskirts of Philadelphia. Um, Langhorne, Pennsylvania is a town nearby, Sesame Place, people know that. Um, yeah, that's where I grew up, outside of Northeast Philadelphia. And you always had a passion for animals ever since you were little? Yeah, um, going to elementary school, middle school, um, did all our field trips at the Philly Zoo, loved animals. I mean, I actually have a picture of me with um, the giraffe at the Philly Zoo from like, I don't even know, 1989. I'm like five years, four years old, whatever. And um, I'm standing there and the giraffe's kind of in the moat and its head's like legit, like right next to me. And I'm like, I, looking back now, I'm like, I don't think that giraffe should be in that position and I shouldn't be that close to its head. But yep, I mean, <laughs> literally like four or five years old in that picture. And I've always loved going to the zoo and animals and pets and all that, all that jazz. Yeah. And so you wanted to pursue a career and that's why you went to the university, you studied animal behavior. Yes. So when I, I think I was a, a junior in high school and my family took a trip to Bermuda. It was on a cruise. Um, we did this bell helmet diving and because of that, I'm like, I want to do marine biology. I want to, you know, work with dolphins and, do all that stuff, be by the ocean. So I looked into schools that had like marine biology um, degrees. I didn't really look towards the ocean at all. I was looking something kind of close. So Kutztown University, East Strasburg University, both had like a marine biology program. 
So I just applied to the two of those, and then um, I got into East Stroudsburg, and I just decided to pick that because my family had a house in the Poconos, and so I was just like, all right, let me go there since their Pocono house is like 30 minutes away. Maybe about a year into school, I was like, you know what, I kind of just want to switch to land mammals. Um, I really got into like carnivores and tigers and stuff like that by watching Animal Planet. So after my you know first year of college, I just talked to my advisor and she suggested talking and switching over to animal behavior. So I graduated with a concentration in animal behavior and I'm probably one of the first people that even graduated with that program at East Stroudsburg. It was fairly new when I graduated so or went there. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I just got a general biology degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just got, I had to take some psychology classes. So it's basically animal behavior, I feel like it's like a degree in biology with a minor in psychology. See, that's so interesting because I have, you know, people that will come on that have worked at SeaWorld and a lot of them actually have psychology degrees and it blows people's minds that they don't have, you know, a, you know, zoology degree or biology, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. I mean, a lot of that psychology things, you know, animal behavior and stuff like that, it, it's all relative. I feel like studying people is kind of similar to studying animals, especially like primates and stuff that were so closely related to them. So those things kind of do cross over. I mean, even operant conditioning and stuff like that. I mean, you could do that with people. So we just, and we do it with animals that don't even speak our own language. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you get into Six Flags on just pure luck. Which, I mean, what animals are you working with? I mean, have you ever worked with exotic animals, or are you just, like, thrown right into the mix? Nope, just kind of. So, I mean, my first, as my internship, I worked with the vet a lot. So the vet and the vet tech drive around, would do rounds. We'd then, in the afternoon, help some of the other safari wardens or keepers, I should say. Um, so, like, we got thrown in the elephant barn a lot because they always needed extra help, basically just shoveling poop and uh just got down and dirty and that stuff um and then like i don't know i guess just because i guess i was doing a good enough job then they started putting me in like a seasonal warden position so then i got like my own section to tend to and you know check the fences feed and water animals check on all the animals um as a seasonal you didn't work some of the high more high profile areas you'd work some of the areas like well i shouldn't say this is not high profile but the brown bear section because they were behind like an electric fence and stuff. You didn't get out with them. You just kind of sat in the truck and watched them all day. And then someone would come like a full timer or, you know, the supervisor would come and feed the bears while you were just there. So you're really just kind of monitoring the section. But um, once we came full time, you know, I was working on the African Plains, worked with the giraffe, the lions. Um, I basically, I mean, I don't there's like 14 full time people working there. Um, so like in the wintertime when you're closed, I mean, literally, there's like 10 to 11 people a day just taking care of over like 2,500 animals. Um, so, I mean, I really worked with everything. Um, but I, I spent a lot of time up on the African plains and then shuffling back and forth between the tigers and the plains with the lions and, and giraffe. Mm -hmm. Which were your favorite predators to work with? The lions, the bears? I'm definitely a tiger person. Um, I love tigers. Um, I... I do. There's something about lions, though. They're just so much. They're so different than any other cat. They're the only social species. Um, I don't know. It's hard to pick. I love tigers. I do have a tiger tattoo, so I guess tigers would have to be my my pick. Yeah, but like, why? Because I've never been a big cat keeper. And by the way, this is why you and I bonded. But by the way, for the listeners, you have to go out on YouTube. You might see Aaron. You'll definitely see me. <laughs> but uh, I was able to film at the Turtleback Zoo back in February, and you. Oh my goodness. 
you guys took me behind the scenes of your lion and hyena exhibit, the African adventure. And it was so cool. Yeah. I mean, if you guys haven't been or you're near the New Jersey, definitely come check us out. The whole African adventure side of the zoo is pretty much brand new. It started with the giraffe building at the end of 2015 and then lions and hyenas added. And now our new penguin exhibit, it's, pretty awesome it's like our own little other new half of the zoo basically it's pretty yeah. awesome the holding area well, awesome amazing and i've been behind the scenes before but this is like state-of-the-art stuff yes yes we don't we don't spare any any uh pennies at all and building these nice fancy exhibits and holding spaces yeah, and I'm kind of going all over the place, but if you've listened to the show, this is how my show usually goes. But I love your exhibit. Talk about how this is an exhibit where you guys rotate the animals. Yep, so we have two exhibits for lions and hyenas. Um, the whole indoor space is built kind of like a round robin. We can literally circle the animals around the whole entire building. We can build chutes that we can cross the lions across the hallway, hyenas across the hallway. So then that therefore gives us the ability to switch our animals in the exhibit. So lions and hyenas do not go out in the same exhibit together. People always want to ask us that. They don't They don't go out together or they think that they're out together. And I'm like, no, 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 that would end very badly for one of the species. But, um, but yeah, so it's really great for enrichment for them. The hyenas, it's kind of gross, but they love lion poop. They love to roll in it, eat it, whatever. <laughs> and I mean, this gives them that chance to, uh, go into the exhibits that the lines were just in and just literally roll around in there. Oh my gosh. I would love to be, I was with, I was talking to Amanda who's a keeper there. And I was like, man, I bet it's so nice. Cause you don't even have to worry about cleaning up the poo. Like the hyenas will take care of the lion poo. Yeah. Completely. I mean, I definitely encourage the keepers to definitely clean their exhibits, but if one pile gets missed, it's not the end of the world. The hyenas will take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, oh my, it's such a cool example. I mean, have you seen much interaction between the, between the two species? Do they? Yeah. yeah. So another reason why the exhibits are so great, um, you could, there's a lot of visual access between the two. So you definitely see like if the lions are running around, the hyenas will be checking on them or, and vice versa. Um, we haven't actually introduced our male lion yet to our females. That should be happening actually very soon. We do feel like we're at the point. Um, that we can do that but so it's also been great for us to do those howdy type intros and for anyone that's not in the zoo field and doesn't know what a howdy is it's kind of like a hey hi how are you it's a animal saying hello without actually physically being in the same space um, and there's always like a mesh barrier but there's visual access so being able to put our two groups of lions right next to each other has been really successful and um, knowing that our lions are pretty close to being able to be put together Okay, and really quick, I am a listener wondering why would you not put because you have two female lions, you have one male. Why would you not put them together right away? So the male lion, he came from Sacramento, very young. Um, he's three years old, so he's still a little immature and definitely needed to build up his confidence before we wanted to just let him loose with his two females. The females are very strong mother daughter bonded pair, um, so we definitely just feel like we wanted to set him up for success, um, even though they are social cats. In the wild, a male lion would be forced out of their pride at the two to three years of age, and then they'd have to go and take over another pride. So, you know, a male coming into that pride, it's actually, you know, very, can be very aggressive because the females are going to be a little resistant at first, um, and the male taking over can be very aggressive. So, just for the safety of all the cats involved, um, we just we felt like we needed to wait a little bit, let Demarcus, Demarcus is his name, build up that <laughs> confidence and. Uh, 
we definitely feel like we're at that point. So very, very soon we should have three happy lions. I know that's anthropomorphizing, but three happy lions and a pride all, all together pretty soon. That's so cool. And by the way, did you know that DeMarcus made my pen, uh, excuse me, my, my friend actually pee a little bit behind the scenes. Did you know what happened? Yeah, he, let me guess. You guys were walking away and he decided to like charge up because he loves- Yes, and it was, it was so funny because Christina, hi Christina, well she doesn't listen to the show. She came along with Samantha, my fiance and I, and you could just tell like she totally would rather be in Times Square. But yeah. I said, whatever, like I want to go to the zoo. And so we ended up going to the zoo and she was the last person, well one of the last to walk out of the behind the scenes area and he came and just roared and I, I've never heard, it, I mean it was it was insane. Yeah. I mean, he's a big baby. Definitely has his confidence now, but it's still, still to this day, when you go in there, he just kind of sits there, doesn't approach you until you're like walking away. And then he's like, yeah, get out. This is my place. Like, oh, yes. looking at him, he's like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to look at you. Second, you turn your back and start walking away. That's when he's like, yep, this is my house. Get out of here. See, and we never even saw him. He was out in his outdoor yard, which isn't you know visible to the public. And so when we walked away, that's when he came back into his den and was like, Ugh. I mean, I can't even do it right. Sound like I just burped, but <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, yes. He's you didn't even, and you didn't even seem phased. You're like, oh yeah, that's just Demarcus. Like that was so. I mean, you're never really used to it, but you definitely. I mean, you know, you're protected, but you still get startled. There are still times that I've jumped in the cats, you know kind of jumped up at the mesh. You never mm -hmm. get too close though. Are you, I mean, more comfortable? I mean, cause you said you love tigers, but you obviously work with lions a lot more. Are you more comfortable with lions? I mean, I mean, what is the difference? Cause I'm not a big cat keeper. Like what's the difference between the two? I know they're social, but like husbandry wise or keeper wise, what do I need to know? Um, I will say the lions are a little bit more friendly I never want to say that they're friendly and like, yeah, we go in with them. But I guess because they're a social cat, they kind of crave that social interaction a little bit more. Um, tigers are just overall, I feel like, kind of grumpy. It's very rewarding, though, when you do get a tiger chef and they appreciate you when they see you. So, but yeah, I feel like in general, tigers, okay. and tigers are a little more grumpier and more aggressive, I guess, than, a, than the lion. And what is a chuff for our listeners out there? So a chuff, I'm I'm not going to do it. <laughs> do it. Please, come on, Aaron, do it. Come on. It's, you like have, a, it's the podcast. I'm going to mess it up. It's like a... <laughs> Did you hear that? That was amazing. <laughs> but you do it one more time? <laughs> I do it with my own cats, even though I know they're not like going to chuff. But I swear, sometimes my cats, my house cats chuff at me. Um, but it's a friendly greeting. Um, so it's really... To, they'll do it to each other. Um, obviously, they're solitary cats, but like mom and cubs, and um, even for breeding purposes, you know, I've I've done some tiger breeding where um, a female's an estrus, and they'll be chuffing with the male, and that's kind of when you know it's time that you can put them together. But it's a it's a good it's a nice sound, and it's very rewarding when they they do it to their keepers. So, wow! And you have taken care of tons of big cats. I mean, ranking them. I mean, because you also. And by the way. I love the Turtleback Zoo because you guys have a huge cat selection. We have snow leopards, amber leopards, jaguars, cougars, uh, lions. Jeez, what else? I know they're not cats, but hyenas. So, I mean, we have a lot of carnivores, for sure. A lot of carnivores. That's what I meant to say. I love how you guys have a lot, a lot of carnivores. So, out of all the carnivores, which ones would you say 
are the easiest to work with and which ones would you say are the most like difficult? Um, out of carnivore specifically? Yes. Easiest? Um, I'd have to say snow leopards. They're kind of like the giant house cats. Again, we do not go in with them, but they're a super friendly cat. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever, a person has ever been killed by a snow leopard, maybe killed by cuteness, but, um, I don't know. They're just, <laughs> they're adorable. They actually do chuck too. So, um, they're super cute. Um, probably the easiest just because they, they do kind of crave that interaction and they're very like tactile, um, and, and like their scratches and stuff. So they're easy. I would say they're probably the easiest toughest. I don't know. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't I don't think anyone's like super tough. I mean, I've had some cats that had had some shifting issues, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's one specific species over another. But I mean, I, I guess maybe like aggression wise, like, okay, can I just tell you what I would think would probably be the most aggressive cat to care for? This is just my opinion. And I've never been a big cat keeper. You ready? Yes. Shoot. Go. Okay. You are going to grade me. Okay. I would say just from the knowledge of the cats that I know, I would say Jaguars might be the most difficult to, to work with. I think maybe aggression wise, maybe a little more, you know. Yeah, I will say um, Jaguars are definitely probably the most aggressive. We do have an Amber Leopard that's pretty feisty um, and she can be pretty aggressive. So I, I would, I kind of agree with you on Jaguar actually. They, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. I do kind of agree with you on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. What are your thoughts on that Jaguar? I mean, it was a freak accident, but happening at the Audubon zoo just a few days ago. Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, terrifying, definitely for sure. Zookeepers worst nightmare. Um, obviously accidents do happen. People are human. Humans make mistakes. Um, unfortunately I don't, this was not human error. Actually the Jaguar from what I was just reading not that long ago, had actually bit through the mesh so you know nobody could have yeah nobody could have foreseen this really um i mean jaguars have a pretty strong bite force so that jaguar was able to bite through the steel mesh and and escape thankfully no people were harmed but unfortunately some animal lives were lost but um so i'm sure that's super traumatic for the keepers that work there and witnessed and saw the aftermath i don't think anyone actually witnessed the the incident and then him going after the animals. But, um, yeah. Um, I mean, I know that the day after that happened, I went to Turtleback. We kind of, I talked to the carnivore keepers and it's just something that kind of like brings you back to, all right, you know, we are taking care of dangerous animals. We can't get complacent. We did a thorough check of all of our animal exhibits that day just to be safe. Um, we didn't know that that was the, that the cat had gotten out through a hole that he had bit. So, um, just, you know, it, it always, kind of reminds you that you know things can happen dangerous things can happen our job is very dangerous and people have died doing this so yeah, yeah. i mean i mean but once again though just to stress a listener i mean this is extremely rare i mean this yeah. is like a freak rare accident so yes 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 i mean yes there obviously have been deaths in the zoo field but compared to some other professions it's really i don't i can't i'm not I don't know the percentage, but I know it's it's very low compared to some other very dangerous jobs. So. Oh my goodness, like people who work in livestock. I mean, cows kill so many people every single year. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's just our yeah. job. It, it gets publicized and, you know, it's out in the open for everybody. So like some of the, you know, it sound, it seems like it's a lot more often than it, than it actually is. But 
you know, there's other professions where people are dying because, I don't know, electricians and, like, stuff like that, you know, like, those things aren't posted on the news because, you know, everyone wants to hear, oh, my God, a jaguar got out and, or, you know, a keeper was killed by something. So, mm-hmm. and highly publicized. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it's always highly publicized, so. Of course, but don't you guys have, like, certain procedures being an AZA-accredited, you know, facility, Association of Zoos and Aquariums, don't you guys have, like, safety protocols? Don't you guys go through drills? Oh, yeah, yep. So, um, because we're accredited, we're actually accredited by three different um, organizations. So, we have AZA, we have ZAA, and we just recently were accredited by American Humane. Um, So, but yeah, we have protocols that we have to follow. Exhibits have... Um, standards that they have to meet, you know, we can't just build an exhibit and build it how we want to, like, you have to look at a a husbandry care manual and, you know, a jaguar exhibit has to have this gauge mesh, you know, that's strong enough to withstand the bite or, um, so yeah, there's definitely protocols that we have to follow. We do keeper drills, um, animal escape drills, you know, not that long ago we did a code red where the bear escaped um, and we kind of just like kind of go through the motions and then afterwards we all kind of talk it through and you know, think about what we should do differently, you know, just kind of get everyone's eyes and ears and opinions. Um, so we're prepared when hopefully we never have to do it, but we're prepared if something were to happen. Would a jaguar be the worst animal to escape at a zoo, you think? Uh, it depends because, you know, some of your cats are probably going to be just as scared as being out, you know, being in an unfamiliar area. So, Obviously, this jaguar went on a little killing spree, but um, they could also kind of just hide and hunker down somewhere where some of your other animals, maybe like, I don't know, a giraffe or an elephant or a rhino could then go and like barrel over someone. So it's it's hard to say that, yes, a, a jaguar is definitely more dangerous to a human if they were to come in contact with it because their bite can kill you. But I mean, easily another very large animal could easily kick a person and, and kill them and be a lot harder to subdue than maybe a cat. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say what's actually the dangerous. Yeah. Sorry. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just so curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. I mean, definitely I would not want to come across a Jaguar for sure. Out of all the big cats, I feel like the Jaguar to me is probably the most terrifying to ever come in contact with. See, and I asked one of my buddies way back and you would, you would like this podcast if you haven't already listened to it, but I interviewed Matthew Price he uh, he was one of my earlier ones, my earlier podcast episodes, but I gave him a scenario and I said, would you rather be caught in an exhibit with a chimpanzee, an orangutan, or a gorilla? And I had him rate them. Definitely would never want to be with a chimp, that's for sure. That's what he said. Okay. And then, then the other one, would you and rather be- A orang would be the middle and a gorilla, I think, would be the your safest, again, not safe, but your safest bet. Oh my God. All my zoo friends have said the exact same thing. I mean, I've never worked with chimps. I have no desire to ever work with chimps. Um, props to all you chimp keepers out there, but yeah, no, I no, <laughs> Nope. I've worked with orangs and I've worked with gorillas. So, um, yeah, I'm sticking to that. So that why is, why is that though? I'm just like, so great apes. I mean, why is it just not your, your not your cup of tea or, or were they too human like? What was the? I guess I've just always been drawn to like hoofstock and carnivores, and I mean it is really true what they like. There's this thing going around where they like rank like okay, reptile keepers have 
these certain personality traits, you know. <laughs> personality traits and bird keepers are this and carnivore keepers are this, marine mammals, blah, 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 going on and on and on. Um, I mean, so there, you definitely have different personality traits. I Honestly, I liked being a keeper of all different species and I liked moving around. I feel like I got a lot of great experience. Um, just primates, I like the apes. So when it comes, minus the chimps, sorry. But um, I do like the apes. Um, specifically the lesser apes. I love Simon Gibbons when I worked with them. Um, but it's just, I don't know, cats to me, it's just cats and hoofstock is just what I've been more drawn to. Mm -hmm. one of them, so. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, very, very interesting. Okay, so let's just go back. I'm sorry, we just completely went down a complete rabbit hole and then we're talking about jaguars getting loose and anyway, so uh, okay, so you land this internship at Six Flags. You become a full-time a safari warden, correct? Yep. Is that what, I mean, so is that what you always wanted to do or did you always, did you want to use that as a stepping stone to move on to another zoological park? Yeah, definitely wanted to use it as a stepping stone for sure. Um, not, not, I loved my time in the safari, you know, worked with some awesome people and got along with all them. Um, but I wanted to get more involved in like doing some animal training and enrichment and, so I, you know, was looking elsewhere, um, went on AZA jobs and, you know, go scroll through the list and was just basically putting my resume out everywhere, like Texas, California, I don't know. Um, had a bunch of interviews and a couple of job offers, but at the same time I was like, do I really want to move to like Texas right now? Like, I don't know, I'm, you know, 22 years old. I'm like, do I really want to move that far from my family? And people do it, man. I mean, zookeepers are pretty passionate and pretty dedicated and they'll move across country for a job to get experience. And I was lucky enough to get a job at the Erie Zoo, which is only, you know, six, seven hours away from my family. So still could easily come home if I needed to or wanted to. Um, I, I loved working at the Erie Zoo. I loved the keepers that I worked with there. Shout out to all my Erie peeps. Um, it was a great little zoo, great um, collection that they had there. Really did a lot, learned a lot. Um, didn't do too much um, animal training at first when I first started there. And like, we were really just amping it up, um, the animal training and enrichment program. So, you know, I was able to establish a lot of training and um, training animals from scratch from day one, you know, where I feel like a lot of people end up getting into a job and they're just maintaining behaviors and don't actually get to train new things. So, you know, I trained an otter to go into a, this little tube and hand injection for the first time. Then they got their like vaccines and everything. So, I mean, yeah, I learned a lot there, and I really loved it out there in, in Erie, Pennsylvania. I like Erie. Okay, I was going to say because I, I I have heard of it. I mean, I'm obviously a smaller zoo. Yes, very small zoo. I think it's like 15 acres, and like half of that is this little like safari land, um, like train ride. So I mean, really, I feel like the actual walkable zoo is like probably eight acres. Wow, that's like our zoo here in Boise. It's like, I think like 13 acres and some of it's not even developed. <laughs> so yeah. it's, you know, making progress. Wow, interesting. Yeah, so very tiny, you know, that's where I got to work with primates for the first time, the orangutans and Simon Gibbons, White Cheek Gibbons, um, giraffe, rhinos. They have wow, but they, have a, lot of, they a have a lot of big, big species for a yeah. little zoo. That's yeah. great. And the exhibits, I mean, they're, they're good size exhibits. So like, even though it's a small zoo, I mean, the rhino exhibit was, you know, good size and everything. So it's not like just a small zoo that packed in a lot of big animals. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And so you're working with all those different types of animals, which was your favorite animal to work with at the Erie zoo? Um, 
I really did love the river otters, North American river otters and the red pandas. That's the first time I worked with red pandas. Fell in love with them there. Um, and I, you know, the, the orangutans surprised me. I, it wasn't something that I really wanted or cared to work with. And then our curator had actually asked me if I'd be interested in working the, it was Keeper 7, which is the, the primate string, and it was also the penguins. So I was like, well, I'm not going to, if she's asking me, like, I'm not going to turn it down. And I surprisingly, like, really enjoyed working with them. Really? Yeah. Very smart. They, are, are most, like, the grade 8 keepers females, I feel like? Um, I just feel like most keepers in general are female. Um, I mean, even looking back at, at Erie Zoo, I mean, there was, like, one male keeper there out of, like, the 14 or 15 staff full-time keeper staffs there um even at the bronx zoo that's like a staff of like 70 something but very i mean i could probably i mean i don't know what it's like now but i feel like at the time that i worked there I could probably count on like one maybe two hands out of like 70 something mammal keepers that were males so oh yeah wow interesting okay Okay, so you work there, and then is that then do you go to the Bronx Zoo after that? Do you put your application in? Is it, is this just like the cream of the crop? <laughs> yeah, I just kind of felt like all right. I was in Erie for just shy of two years, and I felt like I was missing out on a lot. Um, you know, just being a keeper in general. Any the any keeper that I've known and worked with, I mean, they're the most dedicated, passionate people you know I've ever come in contact with, and it's more than just a job. It's 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 like a lifestyle. And I mean, you're, you're working overtime, you're working a lot of hours, you really care about these things, you're working weekends, you're working holidays. Um, so I just felt like, you know, being six, seven hours away from my family, I was kind of like, you know, I feel like I'm just missing out on a lot of things. And at this point, my friends are like, getting engaged and married. And I'm like, you know, in their weddings, and I'm like, I could barely afford to be in their weddings, let alone get the time off to come home for it. So that's when I started looking for places back home. Um, and at the Bronx Zoo, I kind of, you know, I, I saw some things on AZA, but I even went on, I'm an AZA member, so I went on the directory and, like, found the curator's email addresses and just, like, kind of emailed them myself and sent them my resume, too, just to kind of make sure. Because I feel like there's thousands, if not, I don't even, like, hundreds of thousands of applicants that probably send their resume in there and could easily get lost in the shuffle. So I kind of just made mm. sure that I uh, reached out to them and hoped that they saw it and got a phone call, asked for an interview, and then they brought me on, so. What, for, for just, uh, I mean, for what type of keeper? What, what position? So they have um, just wild animal keepers. So you really, in the mammal department, you work anywhere. You work the entire collection. You kind of float around until you kind of fill in and settle in into maybe like two to three buildings. Um, but you really, you could work anything. I mean, one day I'd be working in Madagascar with the lemurs, and, um, you know, the next day would be, gorillas in Congo. Um, and then you could be in a little mouse house working with mice. And they, um, they kind of do like split it in half and you kind of work with like primate, small mammals. And then there's the host stock carnivores. So, you know, most people going in there are working in the primate area. Um, so, you know, for about a year and a half to two years, that's where I was working. And I saw so some opportunities. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, so you were working in, in the Congo gorilla forest? Yeah, I worked in Congo a lot. I worked in Madagascar a lot. Um, every once in a while, I'd work in the mouse house and, and the monkey house and jungle world. But I feel like, yeah, most of my time was spent in, like, Congo and um, in Madagascar. And 
Um, I saw this opportunity, you know, a keeper was leaving on the, the hoofstock carnivore side, so I kind of just threw it out there to my supervisor and just said, hey, you know, not that I don't like what I'm doing, but, you know, my most of my background is working with, like, giraffes and, you know, lions and stuff like that, so I'm definitely interested if the, you know, if the situation can happen and I can switch over. And, you know, it wasn't that often that people did switch over like that, but I was kind of at that point where I was still new enough that I didn't completely settle in to an installation. Um, so they were like, yep, right. I mean, literally like within like two weeks of me asking, I was <laughs> moved over. Um, so then I, the rest, I know I started working in Carter, Carter giraffe a little bit out in the wild Asia, which has the um, Asian elephants and Babarusa, which are awesome animals, by the way, they're, it's a really weird looking pig, but awesome. One of my animals that I, I never knew I liked, like never even knew existed, but became really fatu infatuated with them. And, um, and then, you know, the last two years of my career there, I settled into Bear Dens, Tiger Mountain, and I was working with the grizzlies and snow leopards, red pandas, and the tigers and the polar bear. It's kind of unreal. I feel like a lot of people do really specialize and kind of stay in the same thing, but I feel like I've just floated around and worked with a lot of really cool things. That's amazing. Well, really quick. Um, so you go from Bronx Zoo, it seems like you have it made, and then you lead to Turtleback? Like, what did they do? Lure you over with a tiger? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I'm still waiting on Mike to get us a, a tiger at Turtleback. But, um, right. <laughs> um, not, I saw the posting, and, you know, I kind of felt like I was at a point in my career, you know, I've been in the field for nine years at that point or so. And I'm just like, you know what? I could move up now. Like I could be at the Bronx. There's, they do have senior keeper positions at the Bronx, but you know, they're very, again, there's like 70 mammal keepers fighting for like 10 senior keeper spots. So it's like a bloodbath basically. And I'm just like, all right, well maybe I'll just look into other options. And you know, Turtleback Zoo is literally like 30 miles away. And to me also, one of the reasons why I look to leave, not that I'm knocking New York city, but to live there, it's, you know, concrete jungle. I love, like, kayaking and hiking and all that stuff, too. So that was something else. And, like, I didn't want to move farther away from the Bronx and commute because the commute already, as it was, living seven miles away was, like, a half an hour, 45 minutes someday. So, some days. So um, that was, like, one of my biggest pushes was to move yeah, out. And, and I have a question because, like, when I went to the Bronx, it is a beautiful zoo, one of my favorite zoos to visit. But, like, you know, you could – walk outside and get liquor and ribs and <laughs> and chicken. I'm serious next door. So like, yeah. are you scared to move to the Bronx? I, I mean, are you, I, mean, I will say at first, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I've known nothing about the Bronx and like people, I feel like the Bronx gets a bad rap. Like obviously, you, you know, the movies and stuff portray it. It's this very dangerous area. And even my mom, I think was like, you're moving where? Like, but, <laughs> and I mean, before I moved out there, my mom and my dad like drove me up there and my parents have been super supportive of all. I mean, I've moved a lot over the last 10, 11 years. Um, super supportive, drove me up there because they wanted to know what I was getting into and try to find me like a good place to live. And um, we're driving around some of the neighborhoods and my mom's like, you can't pay me enough to live in this neighborhood. But <laughs> um, I was lucky enough to find a place. Um, the the east side of the Bronx, like by the north, uh, long north, what am I talking about? I don't know. The Long Island Sound, um, so right by the water, Throgs Neck, Country Club, City Island. That's actually a really nice part of the Bronx. You know, you've got some tree-lined streets, and 
super friendly neighbors and I you know I lived in Throgs Neck for quite some time there and I literally was a block away from the Long Island Sound I mean the water was like right there um, seven miles from work and um, it really wasn't that that bad it's just you know I wanted to go by the mountains and kayak and all that stuff so yeah and, and, and then mind you for those of you who don't please if you've never been to the Bronx don't get scared because I mean once you're in the zoo and actually can I can I tell you the funniest story go ahead go ahead I've never even said this public. When I went to the Bronx, my car, I used to have one of those key lock, you know, those keypad lock things. Anyway, my battery died and I locked my keys in my vehicle. So me and my friend were at the Bronx all day long and our vehicle was parked outside the Bronx Zoo and we like called AAA and we were, they were like, where are you located? And we said the Bronx and they were like, oh my God. <laughs> they were like, that's bad. We were like in the zoo parking lot. Sorry, but anyway, long story short, when you're in the zoo, it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even right around the zoo, like, uh, parking, you have to pay to park there. Um, but I I remember going as a guest before I ever even worked there, and I parked on Southern Boulevard. Like, it's really, during the day especially, like, it's really not that bad right outside the zoo. Um, I mean, to go along with your story, actually, I remember there was one time, I literally lived, like, I don't even know, 10, 15 minutes from LaGuardia, and I was taking a flight, I was visiting a friend, and I came back, and I, like, um, this was kind of before Uber was like super big, but I just hailed a taxi to take me back. And like, and I told that him my address and the guy's like, Oh, the Bronx. He's like, that's, <laughs> that's kind of scary. No. And I'm like, no, I'm like, it's really not that bad. Like it's fine. And we drove into my neighborhood and I'm like, see, I'm like, I told you it's fine. He's like, Oh yeah, no, it's fine. Like even the cab driver from like <laughs> Queens is saying how scary the Bronx is. I'm like, no, it's not, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> like defending the Bronx. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so you decide you want to get out of the Bronx and you apply at the Turtleback Zoo. Are but but were they looking for a zoo supervisor or what were they looking for? So they were actually looking for a couple positions. There was our open relief keeper, there was the Africa keeper because that Lions and Hyenas hasn't even opened yet, and they were looking to fill that position, and then the zoo supervisor. So I kind of applied for all three, just kind of like, why not? Um Called me in for interview like right away. I went over there. Didn't know actually which position I was interviewing for because I applied for all three. And it was just like, hey, you want to come in for an interview? Um, and we just started talking about all these things, um, just carnivores and stuff. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm, you know, might be settling in into the Africa position there. So I'm like, all right, that's not so bad. I can work with lions, hyenas, giraffe. Um, but then, you know, a couple weeks go by and I get a call and it's like, hey, so. Um, we'd like to offer you a supervisor position at Turtleback because I think like when I had interviewed, they already kind of had someone in mind for the supervisor position and it was only going to be one. Um, but I guess in that time of me interviewing and me getting hired, they kind of decided to have two supervisors since the, the zoo is expanding. So that's kind of, I just, yeah, I guess my interview was just that good and they offered me a supervisor position. So what are your tips? Cause I have bombed some major casting auditions in my day. <laughs> I have, I like, I mean, it's hard. Like I, I don't even know. Like, cause there are some interviews that I felt like went really, really well in my career. And like, I wouldn't even get a call back. And I'm like, I feel like I answered every question, right? Like what, what the heck? Like, what did I do? And I didn't even get a call back. And then some of the interviews, like even I'll say my eerie zoo interview. I don't know. I feel like that just didn't even go that well. And I end up getting the job. So, like, I, I don't even know. Like, just don't be nervous. I mean, any, everyone's going to be nervous. But just be yourself. I don't know. Be truthful. And, you know, don't – I guess don't – how do I want to word this? Like, don't 
people like to like overcompensate, I feel like, and try to make themselves look better, like, and try to fudge things on their resumes and whatnot. I'm like, people are going to know when you start that, you know, you didn't, may have not have done some of those things on a resume. So, you know, don't try to fudge things and just be yourself. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I've had luck. Yeah. Well, you have a very, you're a likable person. I think, I mean, I guess that's hard. I mean, if you're not a likable person, it's hard to be like, be likable. But I feel like if you, I feel like you're right. Go in and like be authentic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's the best. I mean, I'm just trying to, I mean, have you been asked like a crazy difficult question during a zoo interview before? Like what happens if the grizzly gets out and you have to talk to Patty Sue over here? Who's asked, I mean, I don't know. I'm just like wondering. Yeah, I mean, definitely those questions are the hardest ones to answer just because, I mean, I, you know, you you have your typical, like, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and da 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 da, da. and, like, all those you can practice, and you can, like, look up answers, and, you know, turn a weakness into a strength, and... Yeah, how do you, what do you say your weakness is? Like, yeah. I'm bad at, you know, locks, or, like... Yeah, exactly, don't ever say that, you definitely won't get hired, but, um... <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge airhead, I really forget to lock things, I'm kidding. <laughs> I used to say like one of my biggest week big biggest weakness was like public speaking. It still is to my to this day. Like I really do not like talking in large in front of large crowds. Like even for us, like we do morning meetings at the zoo and like we have to lead them and just to say a few stupid things. I'm like I just don't like talking to huge groups of people. So like, but then you know I always say how like I went to school and I knew I wanted to do this as a job. So I took a public speaking class and I definitely feel like that helped. I'm still not where I want to be, but the more and more I do it, blah, 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 blah. But there you go. Yeah. I would hire you right there. I like that. That's yeah. very, very good advice for the listeners. So, yeah. I mean, definitely. I keep Keeper talks are a huge part of the job nowadays, too. So, like, you have to be doing those things. And honestly, I feel like, especially at the Bronx, doing the Tiger training demos, you're talking in front of, I mean, it's a small area, but a lot of people can fit in that area. And you're talking on a microphone. So, like, the first couple of times I did it, I'm like, oh, my God, I sound so stupid. I'm nervous. Like, what if I say something stupid and the people are like, no, that's not right. Or, um, But, I mean, really, if I if I mistake, like, how old the animal is or whatever, nobody's going to know except for, like, me that I made that, like, mistake, like, made a mistake. So, and then after, mm -hmm. like, a couple weeks of doing it, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the talk. It's fine. I can do this in my sleep now. I know exactly what to say. But That's great. I love, I mean, I, I love public speaking, but I think I just... I think some people are either born with it or just are just comfortable with it. And some people just absolutely hate it. And like, I'm okay. Like, like again, like doing those tiger demos, I was totally fine with that just because like, I really knew what I was talking about, but like to do a presentation or I don't know, like I would love to go to a conference and present something, but like that to me is nerve wracking being mm -hmm. in front of all those people and presenting something, even though it's something like you're passionate and worked on. Like, I don't know. I feel like I would just be up there just shaking and frozen. Yeah. I think the toughest audience would be like, honestly, for me, not that there's many, I would say like, like peers or something or like fellow scientists or for me, fellow herpetologists. They're going to they're wrong. So. Oh, I know. Everyone's like, actually the ball python can live to be 21 years old. Not exactly. I mean, just like stuff like that. And you know what I mean? It just gets, you know, yeah. but you just, whatever, whatever. Yeah. you just get yeah. used to it. And stuff like that. So I think that's kind of another reason why, yeah, I'm terrified to, to present at a conference or something just because. Yeah, like those people sitting in the audience that you're presenting to, like, may have more experience than you, and like, literally be like, mm, "No, that's actually not right." <laughs> I I would just go along with it. Whatever you're up there, they're not. 
yeah. own it. <laughs> so, so currently as a zoo supervisor, you are supervising the keepers, exhibits. What are your day-to-day -day duties? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I have like half the zoo that I'm overseeing. So all the large, pretty much the large animals. So Africa, carnivores, or education department. So that's actually not um, huge animals, but some cool animals. Our farm, like our bison and stuff like that. And I mean, morning meeting, we kind of go through things that are happening throughout the zoo or what happening for the day. Then you're checking in with your sections, making sure that they're following the protocols. And, you know, I, I like to be very involved in the training at the zoo. So like I have Africa calling me over when they're doing their giraffe training sessions or if anyone needs help with that. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're ordering produce and ordering grain for the animals, scheduling the keepers and doing their time off. And, oh, God, it's like endless putting in work orders and purchasing things for the zoo. It's it's uh, it's pretty crazy and hectic and literally don't have like a free second. And then, and, you know, all in between that, you know, you're getting calls on the radio, calls on your phone, texts from keepers saying like this animal's doing this and you know, is it all right if I do this or we're out of this? And so it's, it's pretty crazy, hectic, busy, but it makes yeah, I mean, are you, fast. I mean, are you in, in, it sounds like you're running around the zoo a lot. I didn't know if you were in the office the majority of the day doing orders. Or are you just running around the zoo? I'm pretty much running. I'm not in my office that often. Um, I mean, there, obviously there are days that I can spend a little bit more time in the office checking in on emails. Cause I mean, we're also doing like acquisitions and depositions of animals too. So like you're in contact with other zoos and trying to get animals or send animals off. So it's a lot of emails. Um, but mo the majority of my time is like running around the zoo and checking in on things. Yeah, you were everywhere. When we were there for that day filming, you were in Africa, you were in the vet hospital area, you were like all the way up and down the zoo. It was crazy. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I should be thinner, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're, <laughs> You're thin. I feel like, I don't know, I'm definitely, I feel like being a supervisor and not doing as much of the physical work, even though I'm definitely running around way more than I ever was, I feel like... I put on a, a, a couple of pounds, but um, yeah, I'm just, I feel like I could definitely be thinner. I'm like, I'm running around so much and the zoo's very hilly. It's a small zoo, but we're on it a mountain. Hilly. It is hilly. You, you know what you need to do? I have a little Fitbit here. I wonder how many steps. I got like 35,000 steps. Let's see. Let's, I have my Apple watch here and I did, let's see, over 15,000 steps today. Oh, good. Well, I mean, I didn't do 35,000 today. That was when I went to the zoo. I meant, oh, yeah. I'm only at 10,000. 10, <laughs> anyway. yeah, 5,000. But yeah, I mean, like, that's a typical day. That's like 7.6 miles, and I climbed 16 flights of stairs. I mean, like, I literally, it's crazy. That's great. So I mean, do you think that this is where you want to be? Are you wanting to be a zoo director? Or what are you waiting for Mike to croak? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mike, I don't know. Mike's like one of the youngest directors I know. So I don't think he's croaking, but um, <laughs> I, I don't really want to move, move up. Even like the position I am now, I, I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I always wanted to be like a senior keeper, kind of like still be in the animal care, taking care of animals, but then just have that like say and um, ownership of like a section. Um, I will say, like, I'm a working supervisor, so I definitely, like, jump in and help. So I'm still kind of doing some of that animal stuff. But um, I don't really see myself being any higher than what I am. But that's not to say that won't change. 
you know, a year from now, I could be like, yeah, sure, I'll go sit in the office some more. But um, I kind of like where I am now. Okay. Well, good. Well, I'm very, very jealous. I always say, like, if I did not pursue a no, I'm serious. Like, like a career in television, I think it would have been in the zoological field, yeah. pursuing something similar. You know, I always, you know. Yeah, it's. I. I mean, I. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I just. I like being outside. I just. I can't. I've never pictured myself being the one that would sit in an office all day and, you know, basically never see the light of day because you're going in and it's dark and leaving work when it's dark and in the summertime you're sitting in the air conditioner freezing your butt off and I'm outside sweating my butt off shoveling poop and <laughs> working with animals. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm pretty happy with where I am and taking a lot of hard work I feel like to get here, but I, yeah. I like And you're so young, by the way, I have to say you're so young. I won't ask you how old you are, but you are very, very young. I know that. Yes. Um, I, I'll let you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm 32. So I kind of started when I, uh, was what like my second to last year of college so but yeah I've been doing this for over 11 years now I've uh, been doing it since I've been like 21 22 yeah that's young being a zoo supervisor congratulations yeah. I mean that's so cool thank you that's so cool and you and I really quick we met on the set did you ever think that you would be doing television because we met on the today show yes exactly no I never would have thought that I would be doing anything on TV um, I mean, I feel like that's something obviously we've done a little, a lot more recently, thanks to you, but, um, yeah, it's crazy, cool, but crazy at the same time. Yeah. A lot of people ask what's, what's that like? I mean, what was that like that first time doing that? Cause we worked, when was the first time I'm trying to think it's been, the we've worked first, together so much. The first time I, oh geez, I don't even know. I think the first one I went to. I don't remember. It was the Today Show, obviously. And I know we were Chad. We had the Eagle Owls. I think it was the one where the one Eagle Owl like flew away and was like, oh. oh. Tyra Banks. Tyra Banks. Yeah, that was definitely, yeah. That was the first one. Yeah. Wow. That was that was a good one to be at. <laughs> we did that one. And then what did we do? Megan Kelly recently. And um, I mean, who was it? Wayne Brady was there. So we got a picture with Wayne Brady dressed in drag. And Oh my God. That was so much fun. Did you, I really liked, I, I love that experience. I have such a fun time doing that yeah, show. I'm really hoping to see like Jimmy Fallon or something in the hallway, but <laughs> I know, which by the way, you guys do Jimmy Fallon. You guys do the tonight show. I saw you guys on with, with the Irwins. You guys traded me in. That wasn't Mike, Mike set that up. I didn't get to go for that. So, but, um, I basically said, I was like, if Justin Timberlake's on that episode, like I'm going no matter what. So, but he wasn't. So I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> but we're trying it. We have some stuff in the works. I promise. I'm right now currently talking to Mike and stuff like that. But yeah, that was so cool. Just getting to meet you and you had Aurora the Penguin. And I mean, just, yeah, you never know what kind of doors that can open. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, celebrities love the animals. So most of the celebrities, yeah. I should say. <laughs> most of, <laughs> who was, who, who were you going to yeah, say? Some of them, I feel like, are animal activists and don't, don't really appreciate it as much. But for the most part, I feel like. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that too. And then I think when they're actually there in the set and see like the, the, the care the animals having, shoot, they have their own separate area, their own separate green room. I feel, you know, with their keepers. And I feel like, I mean, all the animals are so comfortable. Like they literally do what they, they, they do what they want to do. 
Exactly. I mean, yeah, we never make any of our animals do anything they don't want to do. And if we ever saw an animal and we felt like they weren't comfortable in the, in the, you know, situation that we had them in, we, we wouldn't put them in that situation. So. Yeah. I mean, that's why the Eagle Owl took off. It, really? it was like, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 I don't want to be here. So sure. Yeah. Go over there. We're not going to stop yeah. you. Right. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. That was so cool. Yeah. And that's how we met and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. Okay. So last question I asked all my zoo friends, this, what is your dream exhibit? I think I already know what it's going to be. Uh, yeah, it's like a tiger one. I don't know. Um, my dream exhibit. Jeez. I mean, definitely it would be a carnivore. I think I'm just going to go with the tiger. But okay. Dream, dream carnivore besides tiger. Sorry. Dream carnivore. Well, an animal that likes water, so maybe like a grizzly or something, likes water. So we're going to do like an underwater viewing area that maybe has live fish and stuff in it too. So you can see them interact with the fish. I mean, I'm just going to the Bronx here with their Tiger Mountain. But they have this underwater, they have this pool that the tigers can go in. There is like live carp in there. I mean, the tigers go after that fish. and they're Really? Yeah. I mean, I have videos of one of our cats, Nikita, like going after I shouldn't say our cats. I don't work there anymore. But Nikita going after like the carp in the in the pool, and like she couldn't get it, so she kind of did this like I'm just gonna lay down in here instead and roll around in the water. I was never trying to get that fish. Like kind of like embarrassed that she like couldn't catch the fish. But I don't know. I, like I love those exhibits where you have that glass bit barrier. You're literally like right next to the animal. They're splashing around in the water and looking at you and waterfall mm -hmm. maybe. Like that. that sounds good. Did the, did the tigers ever catch the fish in that exhibit, by the way? I've never seen them actually catch one. There were some fish that had like cuts and scratches on them. So I think some of them came pretty close. I mean, we didn't mm -hmm. count the fish either. There's quite a lot in there. So who knows? Maybe. But yeah. I've never seen them. So. Yeah. And really quick, you mentioned bears. Once again, going off topic, but your zoo is the first zoo I've ever been to that houses black bears and red foxes together. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. Um, I was a little surprised at it at first, too. But, I mean, our red fox is, I mean, practically wild. I mean, none of our animals were domesticated by any means, but we're very hands-off with her. We can't even really get super close to her. Um, she is a little food-motivated, so she'll kind of come up towards the keepers at feeding time, which she gets fed once the bears come in for the night and the keepers go out there and feed her and stuff and check on her, but... But yeah, I mean, she just kind of hangs out by herself. She's got her own little den sites to go into if she ever needed to, if she ever felt threatened. But I mean, our bears are pretty lazy and just lay there. So I don't even know if they know that she's there half the time. So Yeah, I thought it was so cool. I thought it was so cool. Just, yeah, just like I said, just a side note. Well, Aaron, do you have any last minute pieces of advice for anyone listening, wanting to pursue a similar career? Yeah, I mean, definitely interns volunteer get your foot in the door somewhere start young because like i said it's super competitive there's people in their 20s late 20s maybe even early 30s still doing internship internships and trying to get into the field so um just be persistent if it's something you really want to do just don't give up because you could easily just say it's not happening after like a year and think that it's that's long i mean some people it's taking like two three years before they get a full-time job so Definitely be persistent. Check AZA, check AZAC, um, check all those job sites, network, you know, go to conferences, network. That's how you meet people. 
that's how you can move around from different zoos. I mean, the zoo world really is a small world. You know, you go to, com like, I feel like I just know people at so many different zoos from either working with them personally or going to a conference and hanging out with them at the conference. So, um, and definitely, you know, go to school. Don't think that you don't need a degree to do this. Um, and just persistency is key. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't give up. Never give up. Don't give up. And I feel like it's such a good time, though, now with social media. You can connect with keepers all around the world. Instagram. Yeah. I mean, there's a Facebook group called Zoo Creepers, and it's literally zookeepers from all over the world, not even just the U.S. I mean, there's thousands of – it's crazy. I'm, I remember being in that group when it was like 200 people, and now I don't, I'd have to look at it, but it's like thousands of thousands of people and i mean they like can't even the admins can't even keep up with who they're adding because there's so many requests every day that's so cool go on facebook and literally ask a question of hey you know what do you feed your animal this i'm having a hard time with you know training this animal this like what do you do that works so you know they're it's at your fingertips to to talk to these people and network through social media mm -hmm. and then where can people find you on instagram what is your handle my Instagram is Erin Noel twelve twenty three, so E R I N N O E L one two two three. And you'll see all the pictures of her animals and the cats. I like all of them. I'm probably like a crazy fan. I'm like 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 like. <laughs> You're not the only one, but. <laughs> <laughs> so Erin, you know the reason why I'm having you on, right? No, why is that? <laughs> <laughs> it is na <laughs> it is National Zookeeper Week. Yes, it is. Third week of July, every year, National Zookeeper Week. So um, I definitely want to say a little shout out to all the keepers at Turtleback um, and all the other keepers that I've worked with in my career, most dedicated, passionate people I've ever worked with. Um, I just want to say to Turtleback keepers, just want to let you know that you're appreciated. We appreciate you every day for coming in and, you know, dedicating your lives to these animals and all the hard work that you guys do. You know, you're sacrificing your weekends, holidays, time with your family, friends, to take care of these animals here. So just definitely want to let you know you're all appreciated. Well, Erin, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy zoo supervisor schedule to hang out with me and talk to listeners. I really, really appreciate it. Of course, anytime. Thank you. And then next time I'm in New Jersey, I'm serious. I want to get those tater tots again. Tots. We got to get the tots. And I'm sure I'll see you in New York City soon for some TV thing. Yes, there's exciting things coming up. I'm seriously talking to Mike about it. Oh, I'm sure. It's a major profile person. Yes. That, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So once again, listeners, listen to the podcast. I'll keep y'all updated, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the animals to the max podcast. Please make sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps me out. I also encourage you to check out CorbinMaxi.com. You can contact me there personally, even suggest a podcast guest, or if you just want to learn more about animals.